The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no more trade deadline to talk about. It's just managing the stretch run now and avoiding the whammies. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. After last week's epic, uh, still running podcast, <laughs> post-trade deadline podcast, it's a little uh, calmer this week. Uh, it's Actually, it was a quiet day yesterday in baseball, like I think like seven games. Uh, busy full slate today though, Fred, and uh, we're ready to get back at it. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it was a quiet day yesterday. Not many games and some low-scoring games. Just not, and that's okay. We can have a, even a quiet day for baseball is somewhat eventful, but we can have a quiet Monday once in a while, catch our breath. But yeah, no, I'm through the trade deadline, through that fab run post-trade deadline, which I think maybe wasn't quite as fruitful as some people were hoping it to be. Right. Um, but still had some still had some good good options that we obviously broke down for four or five hours or whatever it was last uh, last Tuesday night. So, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, now ready to move on with uh, maybe probably a little quieter. But this is this is when you dig deep and find the best sleepers that maybe no, no one's obviously looking at and win your league. Well, and I, I can I'm watching one of them right now. And Michael Massey for the Royals is mm-hmm. a guy I missed kind of missed on in AL Tout. Where is that? Uh, I probably should have been paying a little closer attention to, but uh, he he's a guy that benefited from the Whit Merrifield trade. And I, I kind of missed that. My grand prize, by the way, there were not, there were so few cross league trades that I had the second hammer on uh, AL Tout Wars and Tommy Pham was actually already rostered because when we did the auction, he hadn't signed yet with the oh. uh, Reds or he was still eligible to be drafted. So he was on Jason Collette's roster. So wow. I didn't even get Tommy, Tommy Pham. Wow. Eric Hosmer was my prize. Oh, Ugh. that is so. And in the end, you probably would have preferred Massey. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. maybe we'll see about that. But in fact, uh, yeah, maybe so. Uh, m- maybe not, but we'll see. But uh, just just gross. Um, now I got to look to see who got if, if any who, if anyone got Massey, because I didn't even think about that one there. Uh, if he's even rostered. No, he was he was picked up. I'm right? sure he was picked up. Yeah, he was. He was in my waterfall in all the mixed leagues, so I'm sure yeah. he was picked up in your league. Larry Schechter picked him up. Good job, Larry. Go. Good job, Larry. Yeah. I think now it's down to like those options that you had are so bad that it's it's just who you think is going to play the most. Yeah. Pretty much it is down the stretch. I think that will be I think your AL only 
episode, you know, what happened in your league this year. I think that will be one you'll remember for years to come. Just like that was one of the busiest trade deadlines, especially with the Soto deal that like one of the, the more headliners and then just no one switched leagues or hardly anyone. switched Right. Leagues. And because so it was deals. bifurcated too. You had Luis Castillo happen uh, yeah. the Friday before the, the, the trade deadline. So we had bidding on him and the great David Peralta one weekend. Uh, and then the following weekend, uh, you had Tyler Malley, which, okay, I'm, exci- really I'm excited about yep. that. I could yep. use that. And Hosmer and Pham. And yeah. That, and then, you know, you know, it was like Jesse Chavez. <laughs> you know, it, it just, yeah. it was diminishing returns after that. So, uh, so it goes. Uh, the big news, the lead today, Tim Anderson is out four to six weeks, which for our purposes, functionally, he, he's done. Uh, if he comes back in four weeks, great, but I'm not holding on to him. Uh, if I have no IL spots, I, I don't think he's worth the hold. Yeah, I agree. I think the only way I'm holding him would be like in an NFBC style league would be uh, I have no injuries. You know, <laughs> like it may now that we're past the trade deadline, there's less need to stash possible closers probably than than you had a couple weeks ago. Um, right. So that would be my only if I had no injuries maybe I hold them for a couple weeks and see what the news is, but I'm probably, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm mostly cutting them. If you have a team with no injuries right now, uh, like that's really good. If I had no injuries in a 15, like maybe the, the waiver wire is just so barren that I'm thinking like, why am I, why drop them? Um, but yeah, mostly I'd say he's gone. Um, Leori Garcia probably picks up shortstop for them from this point forward. He started the last two games at shortstop. Uh, he's not a terribly exciting fantasy replacement. Uh, I feel like he finds his way into the White Sox lineup late in every season. Like I yeah, feel like right. every year, every year someone's hurt and he can play the position and late in the year he's playing. And then we talked about him in fantasy. Would you grab him in deep leagues? Cause he's playing. Well, no, cause he's not very good. And, but maybe someone's desperate and they grab him. But um, this White well, Sox I'm- team, I think is just going to go down. Maybe they'll come back and win the division. They're not that far out. Um, if they don't, though, I think it's just going to come down as a team that just had it had pretty much everything and just couldn't all get healthy at the same time and couldn't right. all find their groove at the same time. Like between Jimenez being out for a while and, um, you know, the pitching problems that they had and now Anderson's out. I don't know. They just they just Moncada was out for a long time. They just couldn't click this year. I'm giving you I'm going to give you a name, though. Lenyon Sosa. Uh, okay. Top oh yeah, prospect. yep. Is on he got bench. called up today. Yeah, uh, he's hitting three sixteen, three sixty seven, five eleven, and eighty five games at Triple uh, A between Triple A and Double A. He's actually number one ten on James Anderson's prospect list, so he's a legit prospect. Maybe you go and pick up him instead of Lurie Garcia. Although knowing Tony Larusa, yep. he'll bury Sosa, but still, you know, why not take a chance on him? Yeah, like you said, so my first reaction is there's no way that that Tony LaRusso is playing this kid over a veteran because that's just not how LaRusso rolls. Like maybe he gives him a couple starts, but no way he's just rolling with him uh, over a veteran because that's just not how he goes. But we'll see. Maybe he can, maybe he'll, he'll trick us or something. Not a base stealer, but yeah, he's hitting for average, has a bit of power. Uh, yeah, why not? In an AL only, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and it... He was actually called up Sunday because uh, Anderson actually had a two-game suspension to serve. Right. That's served right. one game on Sunday, was going to serve the second here. I wonder, did, does he still have to serve one game after he comes back? 
that that's something that I I'd, I'd like to dig into a little bit there to see if I, I'm assuming he will have to because if he, he didn't can't really serve just... them, yes, yes, yes. If he didn't serve them, yeah. he will have to serve one game when he comes back. I'm actually a little surprised then that they didn't leave him off the IL for one more day. Yeah, I guess they didn't want to play short in the doubleheader. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you, yeah, and you know, it wasn't a good season for Anderson, anyhow. Uh, if you look yep. at what, what he's done this year, uh, you know, he's had the injuries that doesn't help. He's had now two suspensions hitting 301. So, I mean, there are some things he's doing right, but his defense has taken a step back. He's only at a 730 OPS, 734 OPS. He hasn't been hitting for power, only six homers so far this year. You at least have had the speed. He's 13 for 13 on the base mm-hmm. pass, but obviously we expected a lot more. He only has 50 runs, only 25 RBI. Uh, that's from your second round pick. The batting average only goes so far. Yeah, I'll call him like, well, beyond the injury, like a little disappointing for sure. Like, like you said, he played 79 games. He doesn't typically play the full season. Like if you look at him last year, 123 strikes short near 49, which out of 60, like you're, that's a chunk missing the year before that 123. So this hasn't been someone who we can count on. He, he did the, the years before that, but lately he hasn't been someone who we can count on for 140, 150 games. So um, yeah, the stolen base pace is really good. The batting average, like it's hard to complain about 301. It's down, actually, that's his lowest average in a few years, but it's hard to complain about that. And, um, but yeah, the power's down a little bit. Yeah. And like I said, the White Sox just in general, that was supposed to be a really good lineup, right? With, you know, you had him and, uh, Robert and Jimenez and Abreu and Andrew Vaughn, and it was supposed to be Mankata and Grand, Grandall talk about disappointments. Um, it was AJ Pollock's really disappointing. I have him on some draft and holds. Yeah. Hasn't been good at all this year. And Larusa gave that comment about a month ago with him and I forget it was him and Moncada, but it was him for sure. And said, we're not, we're not asking them to run the bases aggressively in order to avoid injury. So that was the last thing every fantasy manager wants to hear. No, that's awful. Yeah. So it just, yeah. Like I said, I still look at this team on paper and think, they could come back and win the division, right? Cease has been a monster this year. If Giolito and Lynn get together, this this is a team that could win the division, but win a bad division. But we thought they would be better than that. I thought they would run away with it. Like had yeah. the potential to run away with it. Quick note from Star Platinum says he's heard Anderson is not going on the IL till tomorrow, so he can so he won't have to start the suspension. I mean, won't MLB Makes kind sense. of see through that chicanery? I don't know. I guess if the White Sox play yeah. short, I mean, they, yeah, that's their prerogative. I think to play yeah. short, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Chris Sale uh, did did his homage to Madison Bumgarner and broke his wrist dirt biking. Uh, he's out for the rest of the season. You know, at least with you know, Mad Bum, it was his shoulder, but same same activity at least during this. What a what a oh. horrible year for Sale. What a horrible year for the uh, the Red Sox. And you know, the decision to extend him, you know, that that really blew up in their face. Yeah, it was. Uh, and for those who drafted him, I drafted him in labor, which was before we knew about that rib injury that sidelined him at the start of the year, right? When we drafted in mid-February and I thought, oh, we didn't throw a lot of innings last year. Like he was hurt a lot, but you know, the previous years he was okay, at least for durability, like, like, and he's a really good pitcher when he's healthy. So he's, he made sense. And I took him at the very beginning early in round five or like on that four or five turn mm-hmm. um, that ended up being obviously the worst pick of my draft. Um, yeah. It's so now when you look at him going forward, and he's been frustrating like this now dirt biking accident. Like, uh, I don't know. It's fine. I guess they can have private lives, but 
Like he's hurt and he's dirt biking and the Red he's Sox. Dirt biking not, while rehabbing an injury. Right. That's the it thing just that I get angry seem, about. It just seems immature, maybe. And the all the other stuff with the tantrum on his rehab assignment, like it all just kind of adds up. And then even him explaining the tantrum, I don't know. It just seems you question his maturity, which you shouldn't really quite. I shouldn't question that. I don't know him personally, but for someone an over 30 year old man. I don't know. It just seems like there's some really weird decisions there. Um, and looking at him in general, just from a fantasy perspective. So two starts this year, nine starts last year, the year before was that weird year where he got a ton of strikeouts, 218, but had a mm-hmm. 440 ERA and had bad luck. And had a, had all the ERA indicators were that he would be, was much better than that, but he still had a four, he gave you a 440 ERA. So this is three years in a row where he hasn't been, a, a real ace type pitcher before that he was. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know where people will jump in on him. I'd say it'll just depend how spring training goes for him. Right. He's one of those guys who could skyrocket next year in spring training. I think he will be not drafted early at all in, I think like, out of the top 10 rounds, even absolutely in January and February. Yep. In uh, March, it'll depend on how he yeah. looks in spring training and where he is for that matter too. Right. I mean, I'm trying to see. He's got. It was an. Oh wait, he's locked in. I mean, he signed this contract in March. Actually, yeah, it wasn't a long time ago. It was this this year he signed it. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I had blocked that from my brain. I did not realize that this contact contract is so fresh. Um, it has an opt out after 2025. So he's. <laughs> congratulations, Boston. You're stuck with him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean. Oh again, wait, you know what? You know, I'm sorry. I'm so- an idiot. <laughs> I'm reading. I had opened up uh, Trevor Story's page. He's the guy that signed this year. Sorry. Okay, so sorry. Chris Sale, I think, has a six-year deal from 2019. Yeah. Or, sorry, uh, am I right? Or a five-year deal from 2019? Yeah, I'm going to tell you in a second here, so I don't misinform anybody else because like, <laughs> that doesn't make him, sense that he I, signed it this year. So but... I, I think I have it up here, and I think he has after this year three more years left on that deal. He signed a five-year deal in March of 2019. So yeah. That, actually, next year is the last year. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I'm seeing. Oh, okay. What I'm looking Unless at that, right there was an extension on top he of has, an He has an extension. There's been an extension there. He's. I'm seeing him as under contract until the end of 2025. And he has a okay. full no trade clause the next two seasons after this one. Okay. So it's still really bad. We can still dunk on the Reds. Really bad. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Again, he he's really talented. If he gets... And some of these injuries are not like, this is not an elbow injury. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like not a, like if this stuff gets healed, he could yeah. still be really good next year. I, I'm not using a first 10 round pick on it, but for right. Boston, he could be really good next year, but I'm going to guess there's got to be some frustration in that management group in Boston over the way the season played out for him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year was terrible. And there, remember, it was kind of shrouded in mystery in the spring. And, you know, his non-baseball yeah. injury and all that. He threw five and two-thirds innings this year. 42 last year. Uh, didn't pitch at all in 2020. He was coming. He had the Tommy John, obviously, and that's bad luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wasn't very good in, in, by his standards in 2019. 440 ERA, albeit with a 109 whip. But when you his standards before that were sub-one whips. I mean, you could see that. Yeah. There. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a really rough ride for him. Uh, so yeah. Uh, the, in the Red Sox 54 and 56 right now, they're in last place in the AL East. They're behind the Orioles. That's, that's just crazy. 
Yeah, I'd say, and I'd say, you know, they didn't trade Bogarts. They didn't go full sell mode. They didn't buy either. I'd say, I, I don't know. When I look at the standings, I feel like they're pretty much done. I don't know what the Red Sox were doing, to be honest with you. And I know we covered this a little bit yeah. earlier, but they trade away their starting catcher and Christian Vasquez. I guess yeah. they like the prospect enough yeah. coming back. But then they trade for Tommy Pham. You know, Bogarts, who has an opt-out, is like, what are we doing here? J.D. Martinez has nine homers all season. They didn't trade him away. I guess they yeah. couldn't trade him away. Uh, they're just I, – I don't see a plan. That's the thing that's so disturbing. Yeah, I, I wonder if they were felt like they were close enough that they decided to just – which is, isn't a plan, but to have no plan and just leave it all alone for the most part. Just leave it all alone and see what this group does and then rebuild in the offseason. But – yeah, it's I I don't think they're jumping back into this. I don't think that I think I think Baltimore has a better chance to make playoffs than they do. And I don't think yeah. Baltimore is going to make it either. All right. To the point, though, about a plan, they do have a pretty strong farm system. Yeah, uh, th- that is one thing that's working in their favor is they finally uh, reloaded that farm system. So maybe they feel like a, a wave of players is coming. And if they can get through, you know, withstand this year. I mean, let's face it. They won a playoff series last year. They lost the Astros uh, in the uh ALDS, ALCS, right? They made, yep. yeah, they beat the, that's right. They knocked out the Rays and then they lost to the Astros. So, yep. I mean, it and, hasn't been all terrible for them. And they have money. So, yeah. you know, this, this Chris Sale contract, if he didn't pitch well from this point forward, that would be debilitating to say a team like the Guardians. But in Boston, they can, they can work around it. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Uh, teammate Trevor Story, and this is why I was looking at his page in the first place, is there's a note that he has resumed swinging a bat. He's dealing with that wrist injury. This one kind of snuck up on me. I think it happened when I was on my uh, trip. And so I didn't really notice it right away and how, how bad it was. But, you know, he does. it was diagnosed in late July with a hairline fracture in that right wrist. It wasn't just merely sore. Um, but there's no timeline yet for him. He's going to miss a good chunk of time. And after a terrible start, he became an important part of that uh, lineup for the Red Sox. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was trying to, like with him being out now and his, so his stats are at a standstill, I was trying to kind of figure out how I feel about story because I was pretty interested in him and I have him in a couple leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially after he signed with Boston, I was like, okay, if he's not going to be in Colorado, this is a good spot for him, a good fit for right. him. He's been fine. Like it, it, he played 81, he's played 81 games. So exactly half a season, 15 homers, 10 steals. So it's easy to double that 30 homers, 20 steals. I know he wouldn't have played all 162. So you knock that down a little bit, but that's not bad. Like if you told me at the start of the year, he'd get me 25 homers and 17 steals. I'd be like, okay, that's pretty good. Just the batting average has been 221. And the batting average concerns about him leaving course. Yeah. 221 batting average, 289 on base. Uh, So there, there is, there are some pretty negative marks there as far as that goes. Um, Vinny Pasquantino just homered, by the way. It was a desperately needed home run for me and my main event teams. But anyways, uh, no, it's not about me. But strikeout rate on Trevor Story is up. You know, he had, you know, his first two years in the league, he was over 30%. He had kind of curbed that, dotted all the way down to 23% in his walk year last year. It's 30.7 this year. That's pretty bad. Um, So it's not just a BABIP issue. It's also, he's making far less contact. Maybe a lot of that was pressing early on, uh, and that that's maybe why that can be you can attribute that a little bit there because he seemed like it to me like he had kind of ride the ship. Didn't he have like an awesome month of June? Uh, was it so June it was, that it was? So yeah, so I was looking at his monthly stats. So yeah, so we can't really say that it that the contact was. I, at first, I wanted to explain it away with he signed late, 
mm-hmm. short spring training, slow start to the year. All of the slow start to the year stuff is true overall. In May, he hit nine homers and had 32 RBIs. That was all in May. May. Okay. In May. However, in May, he struck out 39 times. Like strikeout rate in May was awful. As bad as any month in the season, and he only hit 218. He's hit below 235 in every month this season. It's just in May, he had a power outburst. And then He's since a full May. full feast or famine guy. If totally. And then June was back to th- like April was no homers. June was three. July was three. He's been stealing some bases, which is a little bit of the Marcus Simeon thing earlier in the season where he's really bad, but was stealing bases and that was saving some fantasy value. That's kind of in story mostly this year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I would be a little concerned. I know next year you could craft a narrative of like, he doesn't have a new contract. You know, he'll have a full spring training. He'll get in a better groove. I could craft that narrative for sure and get into story next year. But I don't know, as we talk right now, I'm a little concerned about his ability to hit for average going forward. And I'm concerned like that nine of his 15 homers came in May. Yeah, I think so. I think he was basically a third rounder this year. Yep. How far does he drop before you take him next year? Um, I'm holding you to this right now. This podcast on. I can't take him. I forgot that out of his 15 homers, he also had a three homer game. Mm -hmm. So three of those were in one and he had a four or five, a seven homer week. So off that three homer game, it just kept going and he kept hitting them. And so I I would decide of that period. He's really, really bad. Um, I would say story. (sighs) Round seven. Okay. Round seven. Thank you, Kay Salazar, for validating the closet door, by the way. Appreciate you there on that. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, round seven. I think I might go earlier than that. I might. Yeah, the the steals is what will move him up. You you do SGPs as well. If I do project him for close to 20 steals, that will move him up. If he's a 2020 player in my projections, that will move him up quick. So maybe I'm too hard on him at round seven, but that's where I'm, that's where I'm feeling him right now. I'm thinking like round five, like somewhere okay. between 60 and 75 overall. This is a 15 teamer and a 12 teamer, yeah. you know, a it's, later, but yeah. it's like six rounds. So it's closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ronald Acuna scratch Sunday. He's back in the lineup today, but I kind of want to highlight. I mean, he's got, yeah, there, there was some talk about him last week, how he's still dealing with, the lower body soreness, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of admitted that, you know, this is an ongoing thing. He's got the 23 stolen bases. So I'll take that big ass L for uh, saying he wouldn't run. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that before, uh, but you know, he's slugging four Oh six this year, Fred. Uh, he's got nine homers. You generate a lot of power from your lower body. Um, he's hitting two sixty seven. you know, th- there's some things that are kind of down on him and, you know, the, it just, the power in general. I mean, he's only got 13 doubles too. So it's not like double, you know, home runs are turning into doubles this year either. Uh, he's just not hitting the ball as, as far. Yes. Uh, it's interesting that he's got this soreness. However, he's dragging this sore body around really effectively on the base path this year. Like this stolen right. base rate is the best one he's ever had in his career, <laughs> like coming off that knee injury. Right. And this is the best stolen base rate. Yeah. Strikeout rates, pretty same the walk rate's pretty same like you said he's just not hitting the ball as hard i don't know i think of acuna differently than i think of story i think of acuna as just like that like ultimate elite talent like along with tatis and and soto and players like that i kind of feel like maybe this is just a guy who needs an off season i agree who who, who rehabbed that injury he got back as as quickly as he could he's giving the braves everything he's got he's stealing bases like 
he's taking some days off because he needs to. I kind of wonder if this is a guy who just needs like after the season, a couple months off and then start ramping up for the season. And then all the power comes back. Like my gut right now says that I will have Acuna really high in my 2023 rankings. Like I'm thinking top five, maybe maybe higher. I mean, it's a good problem for the break for him and the Braves that there's no, there's no way of getting downtime right now. They're too, too much in the race even with yeah. a really horrible weekend in new york i mean they're so they don't they may not catch the mets but they're going to be in the playoffs and they want to secure like that they, they i think they're slated basically to play the padres Braves in the padres the in the first round will be that'll be, be the best that, yes uh, unless you have a, a favorite team in one of the other series like braves padres in the first round will be the most interesting first round series you're right and yeah and phillies and cardinals will probably be less interesting yeah but uh <laughs> You know, although, you know, you know, you know, it could be the Brewers, which would make it even less interesting still. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's one of those where, yeah, I mean, you just aren't going to have that downtime. They're trying to manage as best they can. He'll, he'll get a day off here and there. I think that continues. He is. But if he is looking bad, like, you know, like you mentioned, he's running the bases this past week, you know, and maybe you need a longer stretch. Maybe you give him 10, 15 days off. Yeah, it's they could like maybe you do at some point in September, depending on how they feel. Like if they feel eventually like the division's out of reach and the wild card berth is secured, and and there's really not much to be gained by finishing. You either try to finish as the first wild card so you get home field, or it doesn't really in this situation it doesn't really matter because, like I would argue that you may rather play the NL Central champion than play the Padres. So yeah. or at least at least it's a toss up. So. Yeah, maybe at some point they give him a little extra rest. I think for those who drafted him, did you get what you expected drafting him? I don't know. The the steals are so valuable, and he's going to probably end the season with 30-plus steals. I think he mostly – you didn't get all the power you expected. You got probably more steals than you expected. His average is a little low, but not that low. I don't know. I think you you knew the risk you were taking, and you mostly probably got what you expected. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but like I said, looking forward next year, I think I will have him like like right near the very top of my list. I was a huge Acuna supporter before the injury. I think next I, I will probably pencil him in for 35 home runs next year at least. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I'm gonna want to see how this season finishes, hear the reports. I mean, the other thing too is he was rehabbing that knee away from the team. Was, remember, it's during mm-hmm. a lockout. So yep. you know, yes, he made great progress but he might not have been doing the right things the right mm-hmm. ways or something like that. So yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that, but yeah, mm-hmm. just thought it was worth p- pointing out what's going on with him mm-hmm. uh, before we move on uh, time to insert a quick note from our blue wire network sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Fred Zinke and Jeff Erickson here. We are talking about uh, all sorts of news. We don't really have a, a theme. It's a, more of a news-heavy yep. uh, cycle today. Uh, Matt Carpenter, unfortunately, fractured his foot last night, falling a ball off his foot. He's going to be out for a while, that fracture. And he is having such a good season. This is testing the Yankees' depth. I mean, they're going to get Stanton back. Maybe that's perfect timing to get him back, but kind of a tough blow. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like you said, they're going to get Stanton back probably somewhere in the next 10 days. Rizzo may play today. His back has been a problem the last little while. Yep. We talked about that, I think, briefly last week or two weeks ago. And you said, are you worried about his back? And I just chuckled and said, always. Right. Um, you know, even if he's not having any problems. But yeah, it's a sad story for Carpenter just because we'll see where it goes from here. But he was like one of the great comeback stories this year. Um, hopefully he's already done enough to get a shot, a good chance with a team next year. Um, and I think it's for major league teams, like it's another reminder that without these August trades, like you, you, there's really no such thing as too not, too much depth coming out of that, uh, you know, end of July trade deadline. Like you can't, things are going to happen to even to the Yankees, even to the Dodgers, things are going yep. to happen. And the Dodgers already lost Kershaw since right in the last few days. So like, we'll see when Kershaw's back, but they've lost him for a period of time. You can't have too much depth coming out of that because you can't, if this was the old scenario, the Yankees would easily just make a really, really minor deal and pick up a bench bat right now to replace Carpenter. But right. They can't, they can't do that now. Right. Well, that I'm actually kind of glad in a way. Yep. I don't um, mind it. It's fun. And, and go grab someone from your AAA team. Right. That's well, the whole point. And they might have somebody. It's, yes. we'll see. And, and, they, that, they and might that's be a fun fine. story too. Yeah. Give someone a yeah. chance for sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, Fernando Tatis, good news on him. He might be back as early as next week, mid-August, as they're saying. He's he's began a, a rehab assignment. He's in San Antonio. 
double a right now. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, he's going to have, it's going to take more than just your basic rehab assignment. It's going to take a little longer than that, I presume, but a week or two, that might be enough. And then maybe they'll play, you know, give him a day off here and there when he does get activated. Yep, absolutely. And I, I, I think like all the, there's not much to decide with his teeth. The day he's activated, he goes back in your lineup because just like Acuna, right. if he's not hitting at full strength, he might steal bases for you. So, you know, the, and he's going to hit really high in the lineup. If he's, even if he's not hitting at full strength, he may steal run or score runs for you anyways. So yeah, he goes right back in your lineup. Hossi on Kim probably loses a good amount of playing time. As soon as he comes back, Kim's been like lately usable for sure. So he won't, I think he won't be once Tatis comes back. I mean, maybe he gets in the lineup enough. Tatis might need days off. Well, he will need days off. So maybe Kim gets in enough to help still in 15 team leagues. I'm not, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I think you're probably right about that, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we'll see how they play that one out here. Um, okay. That was, that's all like the, the, the big stuff, uh, but there's lots of stuff that happened uh, still over the weekend. You know, even just last night alone, uh, Josh Donaldson, you know, had a day yesterday, but he hasn't been very good. Uh, in fact, there were some people suggesting that they may make a roster move with him. One, you know, get cut bay with him a little bit there. But I'm thinking now with Carpenter out, they probably, you know, that they're going to turn away from that one there. But is he done for the long term? Is is this is this about the end of the line for him? Yeah, I think we're getting close for sure. I mean, he's in a good hitting environment. 715 OPS this year. I don't think he's done done. Like I think he'll I think he'll be a starting player at the outset of next season, but oh he would be a a tough one to draft next year. I I I would have it would have to be really, really, really late. I mean there's no speed. He hasn't hit for batting average in years. Um the and now the power seems pretty replacement level so i'm not sure really what you're drafting he would have to be in a really good situation for me to want to bother drafting him next year yeah i think that i think that's the whole point is he's not special he's just another bat he's just another roster spot he's not not done. last night at demonstrate he's not done yeah but he's done being a guy that it's a plug and play guy he's now a matchup guy yeah absolutely and if he's if he's in another so he's got he does have 39 runs and 43 rbis which are are decent like for mixed leagues like you can use that okay so if he, yeah so that's Yankees I mean, lineup i mean that's pretty bad no it's no that's where i was going with this it's not good when you factor in that he's in the yankees lineup but because he's helped by the yankees lineup he's got that so next year i would need to see him on a team where i think the lineup will help him maybe not to the degree the yankees lineup has helped him this year but if yep. if he took if i don't know if josh Donaldson would do this but if he took an everyday job on a weaker team just to keep his career going. I don't know if I would want to draft him if I thought he was in a weaker lineup. He signed through next year, by the way. And then there's an $8 million buyout for 2024. So he's probably back. Yeah. So it's either a $16 million option or $8 million buyout for 2024. That's a pretty hefty buyout. Or you give someone a few million dollars to take him off your hands. Right. Pretty much. And that in the off season, there's always a way as we, we we learn time and again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if he just, yeah, like it, let's, okay, let's just say that the Yankees gave the Cincinnati Reds some money and a prospect and said, just get him out of here. You take him next year. Yeah, I don't sure. think, I, I don't think I would draft him at that point. I know Cincinnati's a good park to hit in. I, I still don't know if I would draft him at that point. Yeah. I mean, it would, yeah. I'd really take like, him like as my corner, as a reserve guy and hope that he rekindles something. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, he's 36. He's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah, you know, he might just be over the hill. Might be might be time. Yeah. Uh, in that game, we saw Mitch Haniger homer. Um, Haniger is a guy that's uh, back. Uh, you know, for the Mariners, we're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, we we're talking about this with Scott on, over the weekend that they have a playing time crunch right now. It's going to get even crunchier when they get other guys back. Julio's coming back soon. Winker left yesterday's game, though. Uh, he, he appeared to hurt himself uh, swinging and missing. Uh, and, you know, I, I've heard of that before. You know, you, you exert that effort. You don't meet the resistance. And it's just there's something weird that happens there. You know, Winker, he just he shows signs he's going to get going. And then he then he gets hurt or he gets suspended. You know, he get, got in that fight. You know, it's just like can't quite get completely out untracked. I mean, he's still got a 348 on base. So he's doing some things to help uh, Seattle, but obviously, you know, he's not hitting for uh, average at all. And he's not hitting for power either, which is the shocking part. Uh, only a 363 slug this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I, I wasn't big on Winker coming into the season. Like the platoon splits really bother me. Uh, yeah. just because it puts a lot of pressure on him to be really, really good against righties, like like almost like one of the best in the league against righties for him to be valuable. Um, and then I didn't like, obviously, once he was traded in like the park switch. And you're right, there is a playing time crunch com- there when Julio comes back because Julio takes over at playing every day. Hanniger probably should play pretty much every day. Um, Winker plays against all righties. They still have Kyle Lewis. Uh, Sam Haggerty's been hitting actually a, a little bit. And can run. Um, mm-hmm. Carlos yeah. Santana has done a few, had a few decent games for them, and can DH. Yeah, they, there's a playing time crunch there. I mean, it's a good for them. It's a good problem trying to make the playoffs. It's a good problem to have, but for fantasy, it might leave some people a little frustrated day to day with how their lineup's going to go. I think you brought up a really good point with Winker, and it's the platoon splits that it's something we should pay a little bit more attention to because I think sometimes we look at the like the rate stats you look at the overall slash line and you're like okay well this is pretty solid but when the the platoon splits are so uh, extreme you're going to see that guy get benched against every single lefty uh you're going to see or almost every single one or he's going to do next to nothing against them you know i think he had a home run against the lefty last week maybe it was but uh for the most part you're not he's not doing a whole lot there and so you know you 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 look at you know, look at the rate stats that are great, but the counting stats are a little lesser than you think. And it's because you're, you're just not getting the volume. Volume matters. Um, yeah. And you know, that that's something that hurts. And, you know, lefties disproportionately get screwed by that. I'm, I'm left-handed, so I, 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 I sympathize. <laughs> but, you know, you don't hear about too many guys that are righty specialists. I mean, that, that get, uh, you just hear about the lefty specialists. For sure. Weird stat line with Winker actually is that this year he's been way better against lefties. Has he really? Yes. Which is totally unusual for him in his whole career. (laughs) So five of his 11 homers are against lefties and he's got a way better batting average against lefties this year. Um, I think that's a bit of an anomaly, you know, on on a hundred plate appearance kind of anomaly going into this year. Yeah. My issue with him going into this year was just that last year, last year's numbers were good, except that, like it was, he had a, a thousand and seventy OPS against righties, and just expecting him. And then this year, he's totally fallen off against righties. It's actually really bizarre. Like his, his OPS against righties has dropped about four hundred points in one year, while his OPS against lefties has jumped about three hundred points. It's it's really bizarre. So I just I don't know. I haven't been able to get a great handle on him. 
I could get a handle on the park switch and that it wasn't a very good one for him for no. power numbers. He doesn't steal bases. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I wasn't in on him this year. I guess since he hit lefties better, maybe I was wrong because if he had hit righties as well as he did last year, he'd be having a really awesome year. Uh, well, look at the the home road yeah. split though. He's got a 289 slugging percentage at home. Yeah, that, that's really he's hitting 197. He has three homers. I mean, the park is definitely a tough place to hit, and I and I heard that the park would hurt him, but it's just killed him. I mean, it's it. He's really awful at home. He's a he's below. Yep. He's basically a replacement level player. He's unplayable when yep. this year he has been. He shouldn't be in your the way. He, if you knew he was going to play like this at home, he should be out of your lineup for every home game. Yep. Basically this year, if he, if he um, has seven home games in a given week, you, you should be finding somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's someone, yeah, he's confusing and confusing and frustrating. I'm not sure what to make of him. And when I'm not sure what to make of players, I usually just don't draft them. Kick uh, that can down. I, I don't know what I'll do with him next year, but I, I have a hunch. I'll be on the negative side of him. Like I'll be more likely to expect regression against lefties than to expect him to just go right back to being a great you know, on base and power hitter against righties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk a little pitching. Uh, but before we do that, uh, a note from one of our sponsors, the weather is heating up and so are the promotions at Caesars Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesars Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesars Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free bet, first bet, up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke, and we are talking about some of the pitchers that uh, twirled last night. And i got to start, you know, talk about guys I can't figure out. You say Kikuchi. I mean, when he first came back from his uh, back injury, he was actually pretty good for a couple outings. He's back to being a, a liability again, Fred. Got uh, a lot of walks. He, he did go a little deeper in the game, at least against Baltimore, but what a frustrating pitcher this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, frustrating for fantasy managers. And as a Blue Jays fan, you can't relax during any of his starts because he can be fine for a couple innings and then all of a sudden fall apart. Like that was him in his previous start against the Rays. He, was, he looked good for a couple innings. And then all of a sudden, he couldn't get anything like he couldn't hit the plate for a couple innings. And then they had to take yeah. him out. His final stat line looked okay. But if you watched it, like you were left with a really uneasy feeling. So yeah. And then last night he gives up three home runs. It yeah. seems like it's just, it's the walk. Sometimes, sometimes it's the home runs. Some starts it's both. Uh, I think he's a full cut. I don't know what anyone would be. With. I know the starting pitching options in 15s are so bad, yeah. but just give me a reliever. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you on that. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I, I just, I, every time I try to time the market, I get screwed on that, which means I'm screwing myself. I shouldn't, don't try to time the market on marginal players. Mm-hmm. Guys you don't know about, just let them go. Just move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he, he's one I won't be touching. I, I won't be having any of him anymore. Yeah. And the Jays have also really limited him now. And like, for good reason, obviously, like yeah. he's pretty much, a couple times through the order and that's it. So the odds of him getting like, he's had five innings, he had some five inning starts lately. I don't know. When you look through his game log this year, there's so many four inning starts, like just the odds of him getting you a win. I know he's had a couple wins lately where everything clicked. The odds of him getting you a win overall are not that good. It's not going to hang around in the game that long. 
Right. Uh, this is their, I think, an, a, a trade deadline failure for them because they yes. didn't address this. I mean, they did with Mitch White, I guess, but who went like four and a third and wasn't good in his first start with them. Uh, they're getting Ross Stripling back, but Ross Stripling is that guy. He, he's also a five-inning max guy, sometimes maybe six. But yeah. uh, in a race where everything is tight on the margins, that matters. I mean, I think the Jays are still going to make the playoffs okay, but I, I don't see them doing damage in the playoffs. Uh, maybe the top three is good enough, but I just – the top three have to be amazing and they, they, they can't need depth. And so maybe they win one series, but they run into the Yankees yeah. or uh, Houston. I think they're toast. Yeah, probably. I think that's a, a pretty good conclusion. I mean, I hope it doesn't work out that way. I think one of the worst things that happened to the Jays was that Kikuchi came off the IL right before the deadline faced the Tigers, which is easy pickings, but right. five innings, one hit, one run, one or sorry, two hits, one run, one walk, you know, he, he looked fine. Maybe there's something to be built on built on from that start. Well, there there hasn't been. So, yeah, I I think I didn't like Noah Syndergaard as an option. We talked last week why Tyler Malley might not have been an option. They got outbid on Luis Castillo and Frankie Montas. I don't know. Maybe just all the options dried up, and then they took Mitch White. But it's it's put a lot of pressure on Gosman, Manoa, and Barrios. Barrios, who hasn't been consistent this year, right. to be their their top three. Because, like you said, beyond that. Stripling's more of a five-inning pitcher. Mitch White will be about a five-inning pitcher at best. Kikuchi, and that's it. Like behind, there's nothing behind them. So nope. this is it's a it's it's not a deep enough rotation unless Kikuchi figures it out. Stripling will be fine. It could be fine, but unless someone like Stripling figures it out, or unless Mitch White comes in and has a ton of success rate, which I really don't think he will. I don't think he's that good to do that. So. Um, yeah, I think they needed a pitcher at the deadline and they got outbid. And I wonder if part of it's that the Yankees are so far ahead of them and they knew there was no chance they could escape that first round series. So they said, maybe this isn't our year to give up our best prospects. Like maybe this is the year we make the playoffs, try to win a round. And maybe next year's the year we'll see where we are in the standings, where we give up our best prospects to get a really good pitcher. And yet they gave up some good prospects though. They gave up. They had really soured on, I think. Yeah, one homer all year. I mean, yeah. I get it, but he was – I really don't know. I mean, I really don't know what happened to him, why he all of a sudden he uh, evaporated. Max Castillo was a valuable part, though, to get Whit Merrifield. I mean, like, eh, I don't but know. he's I, suddenly become, I think, really important to them because of the Springer injury. Yeah, that's so, true. Like, that's he's their everyday center fielder for of the foreseeable future until Springer gets back. And, I mean, there is a, even a scenario maybe where Springer doesn't play the outfield much and – just right. hits late in the season so they needed i think someone like Maryfield. i know Maryfield. i don't know Maryfield's he's not a great baseball player like we know that when we step away from fantasy right. he has been pretty much normal with Maryfield the last two or three months like after a slow start this season sure. he, he is what he is a low 700s ops guy who can right. steal bases right um well, anyways but the pitching is is the problem it's and it's going to it's, I think, like you said, I don't think they can win the first round and then go and play like the Yankees or the Astros with some of their pitchers having been used in the first round. I don't think they can win in that series. Right. And it's not a foregone conclusion they win that first round no. series either, for that no. matter. So, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they, they, I mean, they were part of the – there were the some of the victims in Seattle's big 14-game winning streak. Uh, they yep. you know, went to Seattle and got smoked. Uh, now, I think it'll be back in Toronto uh, if current – standings hold i haven't double checked lately yeah but, but there's a lot of yeah but even then that like, can happen 
if if they went Manoa Gosman in the first two games and they didn't win the series in those two games, mm-hmm. then they're coming back for a deciding game three with Barrios. That's that's a really nerve wracking for yep. that team. That is a really nerve wracking matchup because he could go out and throw seven innings, one run, or he could throw three innings, seven runs, and totally bury their season. Yep, he could. He's gone this year. They, they could. I mean, they did add uh, relief depth. I mean, that's yep. one thing they added. That's the other they, thing is they, this is what they did. They added depth. When yep. Merrifield is depth, the relievers are depth. Mitch White is depth. They did not add, you know, Rizal Iglesias, like a, like a reliever who strikes out a lot of batters and maybe could be really dominant in the eighth inning. They didn't add a dominant starter. They didn't add a dominant hitter. They didn't add a good, good player anywhere. Yep. They just one added more. depth. One more Jays-related question. I, I didn't anticipate this becoming Jays talk, but so be it. Yeah. Lourdes Gurriel is batting leadoff today for yeah. uh, against uh, the O's. He has five home runs this year. He's hitting for average. You know, he's getting on base at a pretty good clip. But where's the power? What happened? Yeah, there hasn't he hasn't hit for power. Yeah, all season. But like you said, the batting average has been there. The batting average has been there just though with a higher Babbitt. So yeah, he's that he's been kind of that kind of singles type hitter this mm-hmm. year. He's probably been a little bit lucky so far this year. I, I it's fine that he's hitting lead off because the alternative is probably with Merrifield. So right. I think that's fine, but yeah, the power is not there. He will be an interesting player to evaluate going into next year, because even if you think of him as a high two hundreds hitter, like a two ninety type hitter, which I think is fair. If you think that he's only like a 10 to 15 home run hitter and he doesn't steal bases, uh, it's like a he's in a good lineup at least. It's kind of like Michael Brantley's been the last few years, mm-hmm. which I think we we thought Guriel could maybe be a little better than that, for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. another guy who they kept talking about when they were going to make these major deals that he would be a part of. You know, maybe if they were going to trade for Jose Ramirez. You're, this is months ago before he right. stayed stayed with the Guardians, but it was like it was going to be like Guriel and prospects because they could spare an outfielder. I bet his trade stock's gone down this year. Oh yeah, I at least so. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's talk closers to finish off. We got some definition yesterday with some of the uh, sh- the newly minted closers. Baltimore Felix Bautista got the save. I think he gets most of the save chances as long as he hasn't done back to backs or things of that nature. Um, he's clearly the best reliever in that bullpen, and you know he he had a, it was a little dicey yesterday against Toronto, but uh, you know he got a pep talk from Rugnet Odor came to the mound to help yeah. like translate basically. Um, and next thing you know, he's just pouring in strikes, struck out a guy, induced a double play ball, game over. Um, I actually would put him as a top half closer the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I was going to say somewhere around middle of the pack, maybe. Be- yeah, maybe better than that, actually. If 12 I count- 15, if, maybe? Yeah. yeah, if I count the teams that don't even have a closer and we, we subtract them, mm-hmm. we go from 30 teams probably down to between 20 and 25. And then we take the teams that have like Rowan Wick style closers who just aren't great pitchers. And we get rid of all them. Right. You know, he's in the, yeah, he's for sure in the next group. Yeah. I'd say maybe somewhere around 15 makes sense. It seems like, I know they initially said they'd share saves. It seems like it's him. Like you said, unless he's pitched a few, a couple of days in a row, it seems like other than that, it's him. And he looked really good last night. Obviously his velocity's great. It's been really good. He's been really good all year. Um, I, I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. He was the best fab option for in leagues where he was available. Like I thought right. he was clear cut miles ahead of everybody else at the trade deadline fab option. Right. Unfortunately he was already rostered in almost all the leagues I was in. So I didn't have, even have a chance to go pick him up. 
Uh, I was in a 12 where he was available, but I didn't have any money. So right. that didn't help. And yeah, they, you're right. In most of the leagues, he was grabbed. Because I think going into the deadline, he seemed like the clear alternative if they yeah. got rid of Lopez. I mean, the only reason they wouldn't go with him maybe is that he's a rookie and they just would not want to make a rookie. But he's not even a young rookie. He's 27. No, no he, So he's... let's let's go for this. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Rowan Wick got the save last night for the yeah. Cubs. He's had a save and a win since the trade deadline and the two times that he's pitched. On July 9th, he got bombed by the Dodgers. Uh, Two-thirds of an inning, five hits, three runs. It put his uh, rate stats at 515 and 185, uh, 530 and 185 for the season. Since then, he's thrown 10 innings, hasn't allowed a run. Yeah. Uh, 11 to 3K to walk, uh, no homers allowed. Obviously, if you have a zero area, that's no homers. Uh, always smart here. Um, but, uh, you know, so 12 base runners, nine hits, three walks. And so it's not been amazing, but he steered it around a little bit. And he's like the only guy left in that bullpen that anybody's heard of, basically, unless you're except for diehard Cup fans who, you know, I've heard of Mark Leiter because, and Sean Newcomb. But that's really, I mean, sure. you look at this, Brandon Hughes, Eric with the E-R-I-C-H, Ulhaman, Anderson Espinosa, Kevin... Kervin Castro, uh, Michael Rucker. I mean, there's there's not an obvious name there. I mean, it Wick's the guy. Yep, I think he is too. He just he's not he wouldn't be a top fifteen reliever the rest of the way. No, for rankings, just because he's not a great pitcher. So there is a chance that, and, and I know I did actually. I was writing him up uh, today, and I noticed the same thing you did that he has been better lately, or at least more successful lately, whether he's pitching better or just lucky, but he's been more successful lately. Um, but we've got a pretty good sample size of him in his career. And yeah, he, he's not an awesome reliever. He's probably more of a one category guy. There is a chance that he goes out at some point in August, gives up three, they has two spectacular blown saves in a row. And they're just like, well, this guy, we're not making it this guy. We'll start using all those other guys you know, that you mentioned that no one's heard of. We'll just right. start rotating through them, but this guy isn't the guy, but he's going to get the first shot at doing this. Um, and he might be just good enough to do it for two months. Right. And let's face it. No one knew about Scott Efros this time of year last yep. year. So, Absolutely. I mean, guys can emerge. Brandon Hughes is a pretty good reliever. He, he's actually pitched very well since July 1st. Uh, he might be next in line, but they haven't asked him to do really anything. He has zero holds. Uh, let alone save. So, but he might be the next guy in line if we're looking to do that. I mean, the Cubs literally traded four members of their bullpen. So, I mean, you really, I mean, you stripped away everything else there. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, in Arizona, Ian Kennedy uh, got the save after Zach Gallon was great earlier on against the Pirates, albeit, but Gallon's actually been pretty good uh, lately. Uh, Ian Kennedy is kind of the leader of that committee. I know Melanson got a save. Sunday, but that's also because Kennedy had pitched two days in a row on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I, I think Kennedy's like kind of their closer. He's he's but like you said, like they're not gonna overwork him. There's no point in that. I can mm -hmm. see them throwing Melanson some more save chances. There might not be that many. Remember, Melanson went forever at one point this a season. Month. He went yeah. over a month before and a save they, chance. They had one save as a team in that span. It, it was crazy. <sighs> This, this, Go the forth and Mantiply had that. Yeah, this is the weirdness of saves where, and now in the last, since August 2nd, uh, Kennedy has three and Melanson has one. So yep. there's four four in a week for them after they couldn't generate four for many, many weeks put together. So um, yeah, I, th I think Kennedy's worth rostering. I won him in my Super League. 
um, with Jeff Zimmerman. We won him by a dollar on Sunday and we paid 25. So that kind of gives you, and we, and we could use them. So that kind of gives you what I think of them and Jeff thought of them. Like we were, yeah, she and I grabbed them in the main event too, with the league where we have clay Holmes and we're just, we benched clay Holmes this week. Uh, we just, we can't trust him to get the next save chance. And we desperately need saves. Our closers are Scott Barlow and Ian Kennedy reuniting for good. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah. So you mentioned you won him by a buck and you, and this is one thing you mentioned to me uh, that you had one of those magical fab weeks where you were kind of dialed in on the price. It may not be the greatest players in the world, but at least you knew the market. Yeah, I guess. Or I just got lucky. I think um, yeah. Bubba, Tom- Bubba Thompson was the other one, one by a dollar. I want to say 25 to 24, 28 to 27 or something like that. It was mm-hmm. now again, once you win these guys, you're excited. Cause you're like, Hey, perfect bit. I want them by a dollar. But then you're also like, well, I just spent, I just, those were my like pretty top guys. So you're now you're thinking like, okay, well now they actually have to come through winning them by a dollar is great. They actually right, have to play right. well before, before you're happy that you won them. Yeah, um, exactly. And then, yeah. So anyway, so those two, and then in labor, uh, Jonathan Hernandez, who's another newly minted possible closer is closer. I don't know where you put him in your, you can tell me where you put him in your top closers, but I want him with $4 uh to three and a couple people bid three so i went him by a dollar labor it's, wins by a dollar or more likely but still i had another one and i didn't think four would get him i was surprised right uh as far as bubba thompson goes he has the two stolen bases he's also hitting 133 in this for a yeah. game so we'll see about him but yeah uh hernandez i think he's the guy um I, yeah but yeah. joe barlow's on a like super extended IL trip because of a blister. He's doing the Rich Hill career path here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that he still figures maybe in the equation a little bit, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, with Hernandez, like he throws hard. He we I, I felt like there were like, and this is where it's hard sometimes when these guys have Tommy John surgery. I feel like going way back to 2020 before he was put on the shelf like that there were rumors at that point that he could be their closer of the future because he was pitching well back then that season right. he had a 290 area and a 103 whip and 31 innings um and he had five wins in those not that the wins matter that much but it shows they were using him in close games um right. i felt like he was trending in that direction so now that he's looked good since coming back got a couple saves i think maybe he gets a chance to i think he has maybe higher upside than joe barlow so i think he has a chance to keep that job and and in labor, I didn't even really need saves that much. Like I can't move up much in saves, but I was like, well, I'm just going to put in, I had the money left. I was like, I'm just going to put in like a token $4. If I get them, I get them. And I got them. So I laugh about you not needing the saves. Cause I just remember I turned down Cronenworth for Giovanni yes. Gallegos with you yeah. in that league. And I haven't pulled off any other closer trades in that league. Mm-hmm. Been a, yeah. Last year I'd made a couple big trades this year. I haven't been able to do it. And, it probably deserves a little bit more effort than I put into. So that's, that's part of the problem also. So uh, for whatever that's worth, let's close with a couple of uh, comments slash questions here. Uh, Kay Salazar says, remember last year's Padres meltdown after the trade deadline, are they repeating themselves this time? I mean, they last year at the trade deadline, they did very little. They caught, they traded for Adam Frazier. They got shut out on Max Scherzer and got really nothing else this year. They, they went big. They swung for the fences. What's your reaction to that, Fred? I don't think we're going to head for another meltdown. I think getting Tatis back will be rejuvenating for them. I think getting Soto was rejuvenating for them. It was just a statement weekend for the Dodgers, for the, like for the Padres to come to come out of that deadline and be like, okay, we've got Juan Soto. We're coming for you guys. And then for the Dodgers to shut them down and be, and kind of say, no, you're not. 
we're still better than you, which we'll see in October who is better. But the Do- I felt like that was just a statement weekend for the Dodgers. I think the Potters are going to do well down the stretch. Boy, the Dodgers are just on a roll. They, I mean, they, yeah. they put they, they finished off the Giants and they, uh, you know, spread the gap on the Padres even farther there. It was a heck of a week for them. Uh, did you see last night? They lost one nothing. The Padres did to the Giants. They had yeah. a play where they scored at the plate and the call got overturned because it was like one of those where like, was the foot on the plate or, you know, right. above it and all that it got overturned to rule them out. You almost never see that. I don't know. I, from what I could tell, I could not see any angle that proved that he, the foot was off the plate, that they deserved an overturn on that one. I didn't see that one. I did. I did see the one in the twins Jays game on Sunday where the oh, ball my. overturned at the plate and Rocco Baldelli lost his mind. That was, that was, that was great television. Like it was, especially if you're a Jays fan, they, yeah, you're, I bet you're, it was. you're winning and you're watching Rocco Valdelli loses, loses mind on the guy who called him out. Right. He's yelling right. at the guy who called him out. Like I pictured the umpire just being like, look, I said he was out. Right. Yeah. I got overruled. Don't complain to me. And then at one point, Baldelli kind of points up towards the sky, you know, towards the booths and, um, I think Baldelli might as well have been yelling at the umpire. You need to toss me. I need to be tossed. This yep. is an outrage. I need to be tossed. You oh, need to I toss agree. Me. My fans need to see me get tossed after this overturn. So I'm just going to keep yelling. Give me two minutes of yelling. Like he might as well have said those words until the ump, because the ump's the guy. He's not even arguing with the ump. The ump right. said he he's was yelling out. at a machine. He's That's yelling right. at you know the, the man That's behind right. the curtain. So and in he, fact, he there's a lot of Twins fans that complain about him not showing enough emotion and not being right. upset enough. So I almost wonder if that was by design too. Yeah, I think I would, so too. But it but yeah. it was great theater. And I, I think that he, I don't know, I maybe I'm not respecting blocking the play enough. I think he should have been out. I thought the Jays were lucky to get the win, but I didn't see the one in the Padres last night. Oh, and I will throw you one cool stat on the Dodgers. You might have already known this, but um, but I was writing this up. And so before Kershaw got hurt, all five pitchers, just to show how good they are, like all five pitchers in their rotation had a whip of 1.00 or lower. Oh my gosh. That is insane. And, that, and remember, that's like, Tyler Anderson, right? Andrew Heaney. Tony Gonsolin. Gonsolin, yep. right. Like, and I know he's been hurt for part of the year, but whatever. He's made a few starts. 1.0 is so good. Like when you do your preseason projections for starting pitchers, how many pitchers do you even project to have an ERA of 1.00 or lower? You're probably looking at like three. Right. Right. Like something like that. Five, maybe. And they have an entire they had an entire rotation. I won't like, I'm not counting Walker Bueller since he's been out forever. The five guys who were in the rotation at that point, Julio Arias is two. So Arias, mm-hmm. sorry, two, all yeah. 1.0. That to me, that stab blew my mind and just shows like how effective that team has been this year. I remember when we spent podcasts talking, what's wrong with Julio Arias, uh, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no one's asking that anymore. Scary is they could be getting Bueller back, Danny Duffy back, and Dustin May back at some point in time, and Blake Trinan in that bullpen, and Bruce Dargrad are all. I mean, they still have. Guys that can help that are still coming back. They have to they have to pedal through this period where they're they've really got four starters with Kershaw out. I'm worried about Kershaw in that lower back. Uh it needed an epidural. Uh so that that you know, but they've got the buffer to get through it. They just have to have some depth. And that's why, like I always thought the Mitch White trade was a little confusing from their side, because they could use Mitch White, but maybe they just okay. thought that okay, they've we're getting a prospect we like and Frasso, yeah. let's Let's do it uh, because we need, you know, we're getting the best we possibly can out of Mitch White and we're not going to miss him. But I guess that's the mindset. But I, 
like you said earlier, you can't ever have enough pitching. It feels like, and that, I thought that was a little bit of a yeah. If move. anyone shows, if anyone can, it's the Dodgers. I would love to see a playoff series of them and the Padres, and watch Soto, Tatis, right Machado, like that lineup that they've put together, and then the Dodgers just roll out like one great reliever after another through the late innings, or un- underrated reliever, or recently returned reliever, like all these guys that they have, and including right. bringing back guys like Dustin May. It would just be a really fun series, and we know that often in the playoffs, pitching wins. So, I, I it would be really fun. Yeah, I, hope well, it I mean, we kind of saw it uh, in this series. We did. But imagine that series with Tatis in it and the Dodgers getting some of these arms back and Walker Bueller right. back be even better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they beat Darvish. They beat, uh, you know, they, they beat some good pitchers too. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's really eye opening to see that now Musgrove and, and Snell did not pitch in that series. Snell looked good yesterday. Snell's looked good, pretty good lately too, but, Manaya has been terrible. We've documented that. Clevenger is a bit of a wild card. He'd been pretty good prior to that start. And then Darvish, I mean, Darvish is really good. I mean, he's had a couple of blowups here and there, but the Dodgers get everyone. All right. One last question before we sign off. Josh Bell for Josh Hader. What side would you want to be on it? Just uh, assuming categories are fine. We'll, 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 we'll argue that one. Uh, we'll, we'll assume that arguendo. Bell or Hader, which Josh do you want? I uh, Hader. I know Hader has been not full hater that we were expecting this year, but that's mostly confined to, you know, a short period of time around the beginning of July. So I'll take hater. I, there'll be saves in San Diego. I think he'll be fine. And Bell's good, but I, I still think if you're ranking closers for the rest of the season, where's hater fit in that top three? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Something like that. Uh, um, Josh Bell, like, get a top three or four closer. I'm going class a first. Um, okay. closers. Um, we talked about this the other day, weren't we? Um, or, yeah, you know, Classe is to me my number one closer. Uh, uh, after that, I think it was actually on Beeson, maybe that I was talking the about. The hard part with Classe is just that, and I know he's number Diaz, one. Duh. I mean, yes, that's the other one. So, the, the thing with Classe is he, he could be number one in like stability. He probably is number one in stability, but because his strikeout rate isn't obscene, it's hard for him over a longer stretch of time to actually be number one because some other pitcher is going to strike out. It's going to have, is going to have the saves and a K per nine of like 15. Yeah. Well, he, it's, it's going to be more like nine or 10. Diaz has out earned him, but it's close. And actually Helsley yeah. has out earned him because he's had six wins. Right. Uh, and the sick ratios, but Classe's walked six guys all year. Oh, Classe, like I said, is ter- in terms of like as a pitcher, he's as good as anyone. Yeah, as, like bar none. Like he's as good. He gets so many ground. He gets ground balls and he doesn't walk anyone. He's terrific. Yes. So it's just that with his strikeout rate, I think this will be a thing with him for years as a closer. I think we saw that even at times. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking back and I don't want to misspeak, but with Mariano Rivera at times in his career where there'd be other guys who would have higher strikeout rates when you'd be doing your preseason rankings, there are other yeah. guys at the time who would have higher strikeout rates, but then you're just like, do I want anyone more than Mariano Rivera? Yeah. Like, SGBs would put like four, four or five relievers ahead of Rivera every year. And you're like, yes. And then because yeah. Rivera, you only have projected for 75 strikeouts. And now I've pulled him back up and it's true. He's basically is when he was really, really at his prime. Like he's a strikeout printing or last. Right. He but just, you were like, why am you I off with that cutter though? Yeah. Right. You were like, why don't I just take Rivera? I know I'm going to get my 40 saves. Why don't I just take Rivera? And I feel like class A could be that guy for the next few years where right. every year the SGPs tell you, you should take Liam Hendricks or Josh Hader or Edwin Diaz or whatever. 
And some of the, maybe one of those guys hits, some of them bust, and then Class A just like chugs along and gets you the 35 yeah. Stability is, is highly underrated when it comes to that at position. At that position especially. especially. And, I, and I got nothing against going back to the question. Josh Bell is good, but I'll trade a first baseman for a top five closer. All right, there you go. That's going to wrap up today's uh, podcast. Uh, good stuff, Fred. Good th- Thanks, everybody, for chiming in in the comments. And uh, we'll be back at, at you again next Tuesday. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.